Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Unequivocally, nothing personal. Word of the day, it's Friday. Heading into the weekend, unequivocally excited to have. What am I doing this weekend? I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. That'll be fun. I'm excited. I can't remember who's playing in it, but I'm ready. I am definitely ready. Oh, that's right. No Super Bowl. Pro Bowl. No, I'm not going to watch that. Unequivocally is the word. I'm going to tell you what it means just to make sure we're clear. Leaving no doubt. That's unequivocally, unambiguous, clear as day, all the way to the horizon, unequivocally. Why is that the word of the day? Stephen Ross, Roger Goodell, God, the NFL has had a week. But yesterday in Washington, D.C., in the House, as we discussed, there was a committee convened, a roundtable discussion under oath testimony by six former employees of the Washington Skinanders. And it was great news for John Elway, John Mara, Roger Goodell, not really Roger Goodell, Stephen Ross. Great news for everybody because Daniel Snyder is back in the news. And he's back in the news in a very significant way. And I am not in any way, shape, or form. I unequivocally deny the fact that I'm making light of this situation. Because I'm not. The Washington football team, the Washington Redskins, the Washington Commanders. Why are they called the Commanders? Someone sent me a tweet or a DM with a hypothesis that Dan Snyder is a Napoleonic complex guy. Small guy. I do not have a Napoleon complex. I'm just small. And he's rude and mean and nasty and a misogynist. And it's the worst atmosphere ever. And I've just heard throughout my years in sports, I have never met Dan Snyder. And I know what people read about me in the past. And then they get they meet me and then they have a different view. But the difference is when people meet me and then people say, oh, you're friends, you know, Samson. Yeah. And by the way, he's nothing like you thought he was. He's just completely crazy, doesn't sleep a lot, but he's not that. The difference with Snyder is when people meet him, they then report. Yeah, he's exactly what you've heard. Everything you've read about Dan Snyder, that's who he is. So as you recall, there was an investigation that was led by the Red Anders and Then the NFL took it over, and the result was an oral report. Remember when? Remember in school detour, quick detour. How great was it? I guess I'm thinking about this now. I used to love in school when I had to give an oral report because I would always rather talk. 
And I never understood people who were less comfortable doing it orally versus having to write it down. But for me, if I could not write it down and I could just talk, I can talk my way through anything. So I always enjoyed that. But when you are asking for a report on sexual harassment, workplace harassment, misconduct, I think you're going to want to put that in writing. But the lawyer hired by the NFL, approved by Snyder, reported back to Snyder, reported back to the NFL what she was going to say, what they found. No one had anything written. NFL said, we're going to fine you $10 million. Dan, you step down and run your charity for a month and a half. We'll have I, Tanya Harding, run, run it in the meantime, and everything will be fine. Then Congress gets involved and says, man, we have nothing else to do. Our national debt, we're fine. Everything going on internationally is good. We have pinpoint accuracy in who we're bombing. Everything is good. So we've got the time. If you've got, if you've got the time, we've got the beer. So they had a meeting yesterday. And Roger Goodell and the NFL have not in any way cooperated with this committee. The committee wants all of the 650,000 emails, only some of which have been released, those that made John Gruden disappear into a vast expanse of lawsuits and lawyers. But they want more. What's going on in this workplace? Because if it's going on here, it's going on other places. And our job as elected representatives is to make this world and this country and this state and this city and this community a safe place to work. So we're going to bring in people and let's see what they say. And we're going to ask the NFL for documents, see what they say. NFL says no. People say, I'm going to come in. They're sitting at a round table and they're asked some questions and they said some stuff that was harrowing. And this will have to do with our review of the day, might I add. But one of the people interviewed was asked, how many times were you subject to workplace misconduct and sexual harassment? And she said, how many days did I work there? You worked there 365 days a year. I guess that means no vacation, no weekends. So I'm doing rough math. Just say you work 300 days a year, which means you take 30 weekends off per year, 300 if it's every day, 300 there, eight years. Oh my God. That's a lot of harassment. Coca, did you do the math? And I'm watching and I'm reading and I'm thinking there's nothing here yet that's going to make Roger Goodell nervous. And then there was testimony and that was it for me. Testimony said that I was required to produce a videotape of the cheerleaders, the Washington Scanander cheerleaders. And it was a soft porn video at the direction of Daniel Snyder for the viewing of Daniel Snyder. It went on every year. Everybody knew about it. Then a woman gets up and says, it's not the misconduct in the company. It was Daniel Snyder himself who put me in a compromising position and only let me go when his lawyer happened to be there and said, don't do this, Dan. It's a bad idea. I said to myself at this point, Roger Goodell has moved on from the Brian Flores lawsuit for the moment. He's got to deal with Daniel Snyder because everyone's talking about Steve Ross having to sell the team. Daniel Snyder could lose his team. We are in the wrong year, finally, for this to be covered up anymore. 
Dan Snyder has been protected by Roger Goodell from day one because Roger Goodell works for Dan Snyder. But at some point, the other owners, not Goodell, the other owners are going to get together and realize this guy cannot own one of our teams. He is hurting our industry. So I realized that Dan Snyder was going to have to respond and respond. He did with our word of the day. He released an entire statement. Have you ever seen more statements in a week? I tweeted at that this morning. I just it's every minute. There's another statement. But this one was especially galling. He starts by acknowledging and apologizing, saying, I've acknowledged and apologized multiple times in the past for the misconduct which took place at the team. Have you ever been around people and you're having an argument with them or you're trying to explain what they did wrong and you're trying to see whether or not they've made any progress or if they actually believe they did anything wrong? And then you realize they don't think they did anything wrong, but they have to say they did something wrong because everyone else thinks that you did something wrong. But you're so narcissistic. Your view is that what you did was right, not wrong. But you're like, I don't want to fight about it anymore. So I'm just going to say it was wrong. So you start off with a statement by saying, hey, I've already told you I'm sorry. How many how many of you have ever done that? How many times do I have to tell you I'm sorry? Obviously, at least one more because you're still making statements. You're still getting new information that is brought to the surface about things that you've done. You cannot just do a blanket sorry and assume that that's going to be good enough for all the men and women who you had in your grip. So we started off by saying I've acknowledged and apologized multiple times. All right. And then second sentence, I apologize again today. Thank you. Almost good enough. Not quite. Then what have you done to change it? It's sort of the how you do the statement. I've said it many times, but I'll say it one more time. Like, I'm not going to say it again. By the way, here's what I've done. So then he goes into, in response to learning about incidents like these, the team on its own. This is so beautiful. Please listen to the statement as Daniel Snyder had it released. In response to learning about incidents like these, really, you were a part of them. What's there to learn? What you meant to say is in response to learning that other people were actually upset about what we were doing in our organization and I had to do something about it. Wink, wink. I didn't even want to. That's in parens, not in the statement. He then says the team, comma, on its own, comma, undertook to revamp its policies. Really? on its own, or are you doing exactly what the NFL and the report said that you had to do? Are you doing it in response to the other owners calling you up in the NFL and Roger Goodell calling you up and saying, here's the 10 things you have to do. It's like Mark Cuban saying, oh man, that's going on. I had no idea. I'm going to hire a head of diversity and inclusion. And I'm going to make sure that women are safe always. On my own, I did this. It's like the Blackhawks saying, oh, yeah, we're making hockey safe for everybody on our own because we don't want players to have to be forced into sexual activity with coaches. You knew about it when it was happening. It's not on your own. It's only when it comes to light. This goes back to the sex addiction. Oh, I got caught. I'm a sex addict. And on my own, I went to get treatment. No, you didn't. You didn't go on your own. Got up on your own. Oh, that's true. You did drive yourself there only because you got caught. 
So on your own, how does that get in the statement on its own? Really? Okay, not really. Real change has been made. Great, no one cares. While past conduct of the team was unacceptable, here we go. This is the money statement. The allegations leveled against me personally, many of which are well over 13 years old, are outright lies. Daniel Snyder, you ought to be ashamed of yourself because I can't even get to the word of the day 10 minutes into this segment because the beginning of your statement is so beyond the pale of what it is to be a rich, older, white man of privilege who's a racist misogynist, might I add, but we'll get back to that. Yeah, you hear that, Dan's lawyers? That's what I'm calling you. Truth is an affirmative defense. Ask your lawyers about that. He says many of which are well over 13 years old. That's like saying, I don't want to hear any of these accusations against me. It happened so long ago. Who could remember? The women who you harassed remember. Because for them, they live the nightmare every day. But let's move past that. And then here we go. I unequivocally deny having participated in any such conduct. I unequivocally deny. Here's a little hint for all of the nothing personal listeners and viewers out there. When you have to, when you get caught doing something and you're going to deny it, don't say I unequivocally deny. Is there any other kind of denial that you want to give when you're accused of something? Hey, I'm not really sure it's possible, but I'm just going to deny it for purposes of my legal position. Or I'm not positive. You may be right. I may be crazy, but I'm going to deny it. I unequivocally deny having participated. And then he drops his wife's name. How dare you bring her into this conversation? Tanya and I will not be distracted by those with the contrary agenda. What is the agenda exactly of people who are brave enough to come forward and talk against power and against harassment? I'm just curious. I'm just throwing it out there. And this is not me being liberal or conservative or red or blue, because this is not a political issue. It is a well-known fact if you speak to licensed therapists, psychologists, doctors, scientists, that coming forward with allegations against people who hold the power is unbelievably difficult to the point where the majority will never come forward because they assume they're the ones at fault. But thank God you're not going to be distracted by those with a contrary agenda. Dan Snyder, I have one thing to say to you. You can't sell that team fast enough. You think we're fooled by you calling it the commanders? You're in command, all right? NFL, baby. You know what that stands for? Not the National Football League. I love you, Jerry Glanville. It stands for not for long. And that's how long you're going to be in charge of the Washington command skins. <sighs> We're going to get back to a couple other statements that happened yesterday, but I want to take a statement break because I want to give you an update on the MLB lockout. And it's not a 6.9 second piece of silence. There was a major development yesterday in Major League Baseball. Major. The lockout is over. Don't cut and paste that. Don't edit that. I'm just kidding. There was not a major development. Everyone is up in arms with what came out. Breaking news. MLB has requested that there is a federal mediator 
to get involved. God, was that clumsy, Coca. Ready? Four, six, D9. MLB yesterday simply requested the assistance of a federal mediator to help end the lockout. People are saying, oh, that's it. That means it's going to end. This is great. Finally, there'll be a neutral, independent mediator who will tell the union how wrong they've been. They'll tell the owners how greedy they've been. And then they get together in a circle. This is what mediators do. You sit in a circle, you cross over your hands, and you say, Kumbaya, my lord, Kumbaya. Day is done, gone the lockout. From April to October, we will play. How do you feel? Now I've mediated, wire the money. My hourly rate is 2000 Goodbye. That's the role of the mediator. That's it. The players don't have to agree to mediation. The owners don't have to agree to what the mediator says. The players don't have to agree to what the mediator says if they agree to the mediation. It is a total Shakespeare much ado about nada. But now, everybody's saying it. it's a great PR play by the owners because they request assistance, saying, please help because we want to get this lockout over. I've been down this road. It's total horse hockey. It's done to try to fool you because once the players say no, which they're going to say no to this, then the owners get to say, look, those obstructionist players, those greedy bastages, they don't even want a mediator. Well, what many of you don't remember is that many years ago, back before I even got into baseball, a mediator was called in to try to end the strike in 1994-1995. The president got involved at that time, not as a mediator, but the president stood up and said, please end this ridiculousness. We want baseball. Joe Biden may stand up one day and say, but that would be well into the 2000s. 22 season that would be well into the month of October when there's still no baseball because he's got other stuff to do and he'd have to be reminded and he'd stand up and say hey I think we should end this this isn't good for the country those days are over folks the president is not going to get involved in a baseball lockout too many bigger dolphins to fry so the world in 1994-95 the last missed games the last I don't want to say the last work stoppage but it is the last work stoppage but I don't, we're not in a work stoppage now. Change your vernacular. Baseball is not in a work stoppage. They will be as of February 15th when spring training doesn't happen. That will be the start of a work stoppage. But really, I could say March 31st when opening day doesn't happen. But the reality is he doesn't want to get involved. The requesting of assistance of this mediator is not meant to get a deal done. It is not meant to get a mediator to get the owners to move off of a position and say, I only did it because of a mediator. I didn't do it because I want to give in to the players. The players during mediation don't say, you're right. We don't care about the competitive balance tax. We don't need a higher minimum salary. We're so happy you came in to mediate that all's well. It's just not realistically how it works. So there won't be mediation, but there will be an end to this lockout, but not today. 
So the moral of the story on this random Friday, February 4th, is nothing is different from today to yesterday or yesterday to the day before. They are far apart on the major core economic issues. You've heard it so many times. I'm going to say just CES. No, stop that. Coca, 10, 12, 69. You're going to hear so many times about core economic issues. I'm just going to say CEI. Because until the CEIs are taken care of, there's nothing to talk about. They met today. They're talking about international play and the All-Star game and all the little things that have to be part of a collective bargain agreement that you know about because you pay attention to nothing personal. But the reality is until they figure out the CEI, all the other things, N-O-M-A-T-T-E-R. No matter, man. All right, when we come back, I finished this morning early part four of a Showtime documentary about Bill Cosby, and we're going to talk about it. And then we're going to get to what the Giants did yesterday because it was pretty shocking. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Matthew Coca and I come to you every day when we are here. No, I'm just kidding. We're here just about every day. We take very few vacations, but I think in 2022, we're going to take more. Right, Coca? We've committed ourselves because we're both getting older. Thank you for rating, reviewing, following. Apparently, Spotify has rankings that are based on something I don't know, but put a rating in there. Apple has rankings based on some formula that only Mark Zuckerberg knows. Not really sure what that is, but it helps. Put a review in there because people who pay us money want to see the number of reviews we have. Not sure why, but just put a review in on Apple. Tell your friends about it. That's the most effective way and impactful way. Every day I watch a movie, a miniseries. I was watching Showtime because I was watching the Sunday episode of Billions, and then I saw the algorithm. I am Mr. Algorithm. And it said, how about this for your viewing pleasure next? I'd never heard of this. A four-part series called We Need to Talk About Cosby. Now, it should be noted, because I have to note it, and I'm telling you, that Showtime is a Viacom CBS company. Nothing Personal is a CBS podcast. Great. Does that mean there's a conflict? No, because I can say whatever I want about CBS. Nah, 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 nah. What are you going to do? Turn the volume off? Clip my cord? But Showtime is a Viacom CBS company, and Showtime makes great documentaries. See, David, I told you I would say that. Yes, that's yes, David. 
Not me, David, another David. Google it. We need to talk about Cosby as a four-hour movie cut into one-hour sections directed by a person I didn't know before named Kamau Bell, W. Kamau Bell. The interviews contained in there, the story contained in there will shock you. What do you know about Bill Cosby? I am 53. Bill Cosby, to me, started off in the electric company. He started off being a product pitchman for Coke, Jell-O pudding, Fat Albert, a cartoon that I love to watch. Think about that, a cartoon named Fat Albert about a group of black kids. And I was sitting there watching it, thinking nothing of it, like, God, that guy's fat, but smart and funny. And I want to hang out with those kids. Had unbelievable comedy specials. He was a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Bill Cosby himself in 1983 is one of the most genius comedic performances and films I have ever seen to this day. He then had a show called The Cosby Show where he played an OBGYN, irony of ironies. It changed the world, The Cosby Show did. What I did not know and I learned in this documentary is that Bill Cosby basically broke the color barrier for stand-up comedians. He appeared on the Jack Parr show in 1963, wasn't aware of it before I was born. He was not like Dick Gregory. He was not interested in race. He was interested in education. But then all of a sudden he was interested in race. Do you know Bill Cosby was in the movies and a TV show? You're going to learn by watching this documentary that Bill Cosby had a lot to do and was the main person who started the business of black stunt people because his stunt man was a white guy in black face. And he said, no, hire a black guy. I'm black. And all of this is to say that Bill Cosby was the single least likely person of all time to be a sexual predator. Bill Cosby is a sexual predator. It turns out that Bill Cosby, since the 60s, has been raping women. This documentary talks to those women. This documentary talks to people who he influenced. Comedians of today. Can you imagine the struggle? And I, I cannot because I don't have that struggle. I can't be in their shoes. But what I was thinking during the four hours. Is that. There are PhDs, there are editors of magazines, there are former actors, there are current comedians, all of whom are black, who looked at Bill Cosby as a trailblazer, as someone who made it possible for them to do what they're doing today, a hero. And the conflict they feel now, because they know what he did to advance their careers, to advance the possibility of black people being able to entertain not just black people, but white people also. And the realization that he is now and will forever be known as a despicable, sick rapist. 
This documentary goes into detail about that struggle, talks about Bill Cosby's past, his present, his future. I was fascinated by it to learn so much about Bill Cosby. It is so important you not forget what he did and how hard it is for women to come forward against power. I don't think Daniel Snyder will ever watch this documentary because I think it'll hit a little too close to home. But what I do know is that the number of people who it takes to cover up the actions and the behavior of someone in power is significant. And are we now to the point where it's changing? Where people will not be enablers? That's why we need to talk about Cosby. And that's why you need to watch. We need to talk about Cosby. Okay, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Hard to segue into this, but I'm going to do it. So you want to talk to Samson is a segment where you get into my Twitter at David P. Samson. Hit follow. Get into my DMs. I will interact with as many people as possible. And if you have a question that is relevant to a show or one that I want to deal with in a mailbag, maybe you may hear it. Hello, David. I like those questions. Hi. How you doing? Have you ever gone to a meeting disheveled? <laughs> I love that question. Why is that a question I would talk about on the show? It just struck me when it was sent to me yesterday because John Elway was accused by Brian Flores of going to the interview of Brian Flores to be the head coach of the Denver Broncos, which happened right before the Broncos hired Vic Vangio, who has now been fired, of course, because the Broncos are an absolute dumpster fire. But I digress. They're, by the way, for sale. I digress again. They may get $4 billion. I digress again. But Brian Flores in the lawsuit, which has nothing to do with the lawsuit, yet another thing in that lawsuit that has nothing to do with discrimination, accuses John Elway of showing up to the interview. He was the GM of the Broncos. I think I should use the present tense for that, Coca. And said that John Elway was late and he looked disheveled. So John Elway released a statement. Well, I was not planning to respond publicly to the false and defamatory claims by Brian Flores. Here's another hint. I hope people are keeping track of these hints because we could write a book about it. I've, I've told you you don't start something with to be honest, because then that means that every other time you talk and you don't say to be honest, it means you're not being honest. I will try 150% of the time. Don't say that because that doesn't exist. There's 100%. That's trying as hard as you can. I unequivocally deny when you're saying a something in public, you don't start by saying, I don't plan to respond in public. Just start responding because you're in public. I could not be silent any longer. Quite obviously, I took Coach Flores very seriously as a candidate. Great. On and on. It's unfortunate and shocking to learn for the first time this week that Brian felt differently. All right. On and on. For Brian to make an assumption about my appearance and state of mind early that morning was subjective, hurtful, and just plain wrong. 
if I appeared, here it comes, disheveled. It was because we had flown in during the middle of the night, immediately following another interview in Denver, and we're going on a few hours of sleep to meet the only window provided to us. So he flew in the middle of the night. So just to be clear how that works, let's just pretend, where do we think the interview happened? Let's say it happened in Miami. So I guess that he had a late dinner in Denver and then took a red eye. Is that what happened? On a private plane, obviously. But the flying time, just for those of us who are keeping track of these things, let's just say you're in mountain time, which as we know is two hours before Eastern time. So let's pretend they had a 7.30 meeting in Miami. Are you with me? In Miami, 7.30. That's 5.30 mountain time. Let's say it's a four-hour flight. You fly right into MIA, get in a car. You can fly into Opelika, get to Pro Player Stadium or Dolphin Stadium or Hard Rock Hotel, whatever they call it. So let's say the the meeting is in Miami and you have to be there at 730. You can land at seven, which is five, which means you took off at one. We've read a lot about interviews that are going on in nine hour interviews. I'm not sure interviews end at 1 a.m. Maybe you had to go home and pack. So you go out to dinner, have a few drinks, get on a plane. If you get on a plane at 11 o'clock, In Denver, that's one o'clock in Miami. That lands at five o'clock. What do you do from five o'clock to 7.30? Check into the Ramada Inn right there on the turnpike. Maybe he flew commercially on a red eye, got into MIA very, very early, and then what? Hung out at Versailles? My point here is that I don't understand why John Elway in his statement had to say that he flew all night and that's why he looked disheveled. I had a business in Europe. To get to Europe, other than London from New York, where you could take a day flight to get there at night, given the time change, the overwhelming majority of flights and everyone I took because I flew Air France because they were my partners, I flew overnight, which means you leave at 10 p.m. and you get in very early in the morning. Do you know that whether you fly coach, business, first or private, there are opportunities to look undisheveled when you head into your first meeting of the day. You get a comb, you carry a little toiletry bag with you, you splash some water on your face, you comb your hair, and you're ready to roll. It doesn't mean you don't feel tired. It means that you go into a meeting looking professional. Jeff Conine, Daniel Jennings, Michael Hill, and David Sampson and PJ Loyello flew to Tokyo in 2000 and something. I don't remember the year. To introduce Ichiro as a new free agent signing of the Miami Marlins. We flew to Tokyo, landed in the evening, went out all night, ended up at the fish market in the morning, had sushi at seven in the morning, partied, danced. It was insanity. Went back to the hotel for approximately 20 minutes before we were being picked up to go to the press conference. You can Google how we all looked at that press conference. As a matter of fact, I keep a picture of it nearby in this place where I record. We look amazing. Do you know how disheveled we felt? I cannot describe to you how badly I felt during that press conference and how concerned I was that I'd pass out 
the way I was sweating, I was absolutely, I wasn't hungover because I hadn't slept. It was a moment I will never forget. But I'm not willing to say that I went to the press conference disheveled because I wore a tie and a suit. I was able to pose for pictures. I was able to speak to the media. I then had a lunch after, and this is on zero sleep. And yes, I did fall asleep on the way back to the hotel after the lunch and then went to bed. The point being, John Elway, I'm not buying it. Why did you have to say in your statement that you flew all night? So that could have been the reason you appeared disheveled, but I wasn't really disheveled. Well, then why did you say it? Anyway, that's the answer to that question. I have gone to a meeting feeling disheveled, but never looking disheveled. Nothing personal pick of the day. We are, we're hot. Heat minus four over the Spurs on the road would have given people cause for concern. No need. Heat had lost three in a row. No worries. The Heat covered. We are 16 and 13. They ended that losing streak. I've been giving picks for the weekend, but I can't do it this weekend because I'm not willing to tell you what's going to happen in NBA games on Saturday and Sunday. There's so many players who play. They don't play. The lines move by 10 points. Just let's do a game Friday, meaning today, tonight. The Utah Jazz are playing the Brooklyn Nets, and I have not had anything other than good luck with the New Jersey Nets, except they're not the New Jersey Nets. God damn it, Coca. Just, are you, you're not even going to wash it. It's too close to the end of the show. So whatever, the New Jersey Nets. They're getting five from the Jazz. I'm taking the Jazz. Jazz minus five over the Nets. The Nets are in trouble. James Harden, while named the All-Star team, I'm not sure why he's an All-Star. He's not even a top 10 player in the league anymore. Not even close. That said, He's very upset with how the Nets are doing and the fact that they're not winning and they're not playing well. I guess he is definitely not one of our listeners, Coca, because the Nets can't play well with Irving in and out of the lineup. Okay, we have one more statement to go, and it really is a good one. So all of these teams get this notified of this lawsuit by Brian Flores, and they start working to figure out how they're going to respond, how quickly they're going to do the statement. And you've seen them all come out. You had the Dolphins, then you had Ross, you had the NFL, you had Goodell. We had not yet heard fully from the New York Giants. The New York Giants were put in a very difficult position, not criminally, but they were definitely, definitely subject to fines and loss of picks because of their violation of the Rooney rule in hiring Brian Dable. And one of the allegations made by Flores in the lawsuit, which would not be and is not going to be part of any class action lawsuit, is that the interview with the Giants was a sham because they already knew they were going to hire Brian Dable when they brought in Brian Flores. And then Bill Belichick texted to Brian Flores, congratulations. He meant to text Brian Dable. You heard all that the last few days. So when I knew the Giants were going to do a statement, I was really wondering what position they were going to take other than saying he was a candidate. He was a serious candidate. We didn't do this at the last minute. We hadn't made a decision until after we met with Flores. And that's that. But the Giants went to a place that they didn't need to go And it was beyond incredible to me. 
They started by saying that Brian Flores has raised serious issues in the filing of his complaint. Yes, he has. Discrimination is a serious issue. That's me. The specific claims against the Giants and Mr. Flores' allegations about the legitimacy of his candidacy are disturbing and simply false. So now they get into trying to prove to you in a statement that Brian Flores' interview was not a sham. The definition of a sham interview, and I've told you I've had them. I've had sham interviews with white guys. I've had sham interviews with black guys, brown guys, and purple guys. Sham interviews are defined as when you go into an interview knowing who you are going to hire and it's not the person who you are in front of. How many of you work for an advertising agency? How many of you work for a law firm? Work for any company where you are pitching your business. You pitch your business and you walk out of the meeting and say, God dang it, dog it. Those guys are staying with who they've been working with. We're not going to get that sale. We're not going to get that order. I don't think there's anything we could have done or said. They were just checking the box. They were just taking a little sniff of what's out there, but they're not going to change their supplier. Does that make the interview a sham? I've told you that when we interview people we know we're not going to hire, we're doing it to try to get information from them. Hey, what do you like? What, of our, what do you think of our players? What do you think of our lineup? What do you think we need to do? What do you think of our coaching staff? If you looked at our minor leaguers, what would you do with a man on second and third needing one run with two outs in the bottom of the ninth? Are you going to squeeze? Things like that. I'm not going to hire you, but damn well interested in what you're saying. Not a sham. But the Giants, instead of going at it in that direction, doubled down by saying that when Brian Flores was interviewed on January 27th, it was a full day of interviews that took a lot of serious people having a lot of serious discussions to then high and Brian. God, it took a lot of serious people a lot of serious time that it took them one whole day after interviewing you, Brian, to announce and finalize the hire with Brian Dable. That's like the Vikings say how serious their nine-hour interview was with Jim Harbaugh, so serious that we were able to pivot that second. And then the Giants, in their statement, gave you a little inkling into what we as organizations view as seriousness. We are all about quantity over quality. We tell you we met with you for nine hours. We must have been serious. They gave us Brian Flores' itinerary so you can have insight into what a day looks like in the life of an interview. 8.45 a.m., arrival, Joe Shine to meet him. 9 a.m., meet with John Mara, Chris Mara, Steve Tisch, and Joe Shine. That's a big meeting. 9 to 12. No way. John Mara, Chris Mara, and Steve Tisch did not spend three hours with Brian Flores, but I'll get past that. 12, lunch and a facility tour. 1 o'clock, another meeting with three people. 1.45, another meeting with two people. 2.30, another meeting with two people. Then 3.30 again with Joe Shane. 
That's 845 to 330 straight, no break. Man, first of all, that's not nice to do to someone when you're interviewing them. You've got to give them like a moment. Oh, I wonder if that moment came between 9 and 12. I've never known an owner to spend three hours in a meeting like that, but I must be totally wrong because that shows how serious they are. So the Giants went through in their statement and they gave you his schedule. And then they say our hiring process and most certainly our consideration of Mr. Flores was serious and genuine. We are disappointed to learn that Mr. Flores was under the mistaken impression the job had already been awarded. Boy, that was a mistake because he looked at his phone and saw a text that said, congratulations. Oh, Christ, wrong guy. Then we realized why the Giants took so long because they wanted Mr. Flores to go through his media tour and then catch him. They had their lawyers watching his appearance on CBS, on CNN, on ESPN, because they were going to use his appearance because they knew the more you talk, the bigger opportunity you have to get in trouble. Can you imagine talking for 45 minutes straight every day for five days, plus doing another 45 minutes on Levitard? Yeah, I would say there's a chance you can get in trouble. It's what keeps Coca up at night as well as my lawyer. Listening carefully. Did you get caught today, Samson? Nah, we're good. In his CBS interview, Mr. Flores was asked if clubs have the right to hire the person they think is the best qualified for the job or the person they feel is right for them. Mr. Flores responded, quote, they do. That's very reasonable to me, close quote. And then the Giants left one sentence for us all to read. This is exactly what we did. Uh, proof that we, the Giants, did nothing wrong because we did, Brian, what you said it's okay for us to do. We hired the person that we think is the best qualified for the job. And we think that Brian Dable is the best qualified for the job. We seriously considered you, but you're the best for the job. The Giants made one small mistake. They misunderstood the entire allegation. Brian Flores is not trying to say that Brian Dable is not qualified to be the head coach of the Giants. Brian Flores is trying to say that you were letting Joe Shane make the hire. Let me give you one little nugget for you to consider as we end this show. Just a tiny little nugget, if you don't mind. When you hire a GM, do you think you ask that GM who that GM has in mind to be the head coach? I'm just throwing it out there. Do you think when John Mara and Steve Tisch sat down for three hours with Joe Shane that it ever came up who he wanted to be his coach? And do you think Joe Shane said, you know what? We'll see. Let's interview everyone. We'll just see what happens. That's not how it works, folks. Joe Shane said to the Mara family, when if you name me GM, Brian Dable will be my choice as head coach. We'll go through the process, but I'm bringing him with me from Buffalo. You want to turn your program around? This is the way to do it. Hire me and I bring him. That's the reality of what happened here. And if you are the Giants, be okay with that reality. Embrace it. Don't double down on it. 
talk to Roger Goodell and say, what do you want me to do here? We're hiring Brian Dable. We don't want to violate the Rooney rule. What is your suggestion? Roger Goodell said, my suggestion is interview somebody who's a minority so you can check the box on the Rooney rule. That's what Brian Flores is objecting to. He doesn't want to be someone that's a check the box. But if you're the Giants, you know that's what it was. If you're Brian Flores, you know that you were when you walked into the interview. Let's solve the issue. Let's not just identify it. Let's solve it. Not by making teams have to check the box. Let's solve it by helping owners understand that it starts with the GM. When you bring in a GM, that GM will come with a coach. There are myriad ways that the NFL has to change the way it acts. And they have to start now. And maybe that was Brian Flores' point the entire time. So as this week comes to an end, I ask you to think about what Brian Flores accomplished this week. He's still a finalist for the Texans head coach. That came out. He's not going to get it. You can wait to see on that. But what Brian Flores accomplished this week and what he hopes to have accomplished as days, months, weeks, and years go by is that the conversation turns into the action. And reactions are no longer necessary. Statements are no longer necessary to cover your ass. But in fact, it's the opposite. That people understand that to act differently is to be different. Not to be different is to act differently. Everything starts with actions. Thanks for a great week and have a good weekend. We'll be back Monday. It's just business. This has been Nothing Personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.